Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for what's right. This is The Roy Green Show. He may be Donald Trump, but I'm not Hillary Clinton, not in Ontario, and Ontario is not the United States of America. Kathleen Wynne, she can fight an election in another country. I'm focused on the people of Ontario. It'll be the uh, 7th of June that Ontarians vote on uh, who will lead the province for the next four years. And uh, with all due respect to uh, Andrea Horvath and the NDP provincially in Ontario, the uh, call will likely be between the Liberals and uh, the Progressive Conservatives, although some of the numbers I've seen may suggest that the Liberals will be hanging around in third place. What interests me, above and beyond what's happening in, in, in Ontario with this election, is whether this particular election is going to turn out to be a precursor for what happens in Alberta next spring and federally next October. Will all of the incumbents find themselves in some significant difficulty to become reelected? And if you'd ask that question, apart from, well, I was going to say apart from Ontario, but that's not true. Normally, you wouldn't have a situation where you'd say that three elections may just be uh, unachievable for the incumbents. And I know that's a mouthful to say unachievable, but that's just the way I'm looking at it, things as they're developing, the way the the landscape is shifting. Now, somebody who understands this far better than I do is Daryl Bricker. He's the global CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. He's the author of The Big Shift. And he joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Daryl, is there, when you look at Ontario, and then if we look ahead just quickly to Alberta and to the federal election next year, is this a, are these three scenarios where the incumbents could find themselves in some significant difficulty as far as being reelected is concerned? All three of them. Yeah, and well, you can add in a fourth, which is Quebec, uh, which is going in uh, which is going in October, um, and, and all four of them are certainly in some trouble. Uh, if you take a look at Alberta, uh, the likelihood that um, Rachel Notley will win again is fairly remote. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty much a freak accident the last time around that she won, and it was mainly because the two opposition parties, uh, the major opposition parties, have now become one. At the time, they were two, and she was able to come up the middle. So the political structure in Alberta has changed. Ontario right now, which I'm sure most of the listeners on the uh, right now are most interested in, uh, you know, Doug Ford has a pretty pretty big lead. Uh, over Kathleen Wynne. And yes, even in our polling, uh, although we have the NDP and the Liberals fairly close in second and third place, there have been other polls that have shown the Liberals in third. So they're, in, uh, as Pat Buchanan once said, in deep, deep shape uh, in um, in Ontario. Quebec's interesting because it looks like it's the first time that, uh, you know, the Liberal Party might get replaced by somebody other than a strong sovereignist party. So Quebec is actually quite interesting to watch as well. And then if you wrap it all up and you take a look at the federal government. Currently in our polling, we have the federal liberals trailing. 
and the possibility that the Conservatives could actually win in 2019, which, you know, even six months ago was completely inconceivable. And you never know what's going to happen in British Columbia. You don't know how yeah, long I mean, that, that that government's going to be in place. Yeah, there's a, there's a potential for an awful lot of stability in Canadian politics over the space of the, the next little while. But most of the direction uh, tends to be favoring, as uh, I've said before, you know, Canadian politics is becoming much more tribal. There's a, there's a sort of a, a right tribe and a left tribe, although right and left don't really describe it. Um, and much of the trend over the space of the next little while is probably to the favor of the people who sit on the right side of the agenda as opposed to the progressive left side of the agenda. Yeah, can you imagine if six months ago you and I had had a conversation and said, about, uh, well, around the middle of April, Doug Ford is going to be in the lead for, to become Premier of Ontario. If we'd had that conversation six months ago, mm-hmm. everybody would have thought we were... Off our rockers. Yeah, raving lunatics. But it just shows you how quickly these things can change. So even, you know, our conversation today, in which I'm suggesting uh, a future direction, I mean, you know, as uh, Howard McMillan, or Harold McMillan, the former uh, British Prime Minister, said, you know, events, dear boy, events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, never, you never know what's really going to happen. But the thing that's happened in Ontario with Doug Ford is that, and, and this is what people are really kind of confused about right now, because they haven't really looked at the numbers in detail, particularly below the vote numbers. And when you take a look at what's really driving support for Doug Ford, it's not Doug Ford. This isn't a, you know, a renaissance or a a creation of a new kind of Ford nation on behalf of Doug Ford. This is really people basically ganging up with the Tories to push the Liberals out. Mm -hmm. Doug Ford's just, you know, fairly um, uh, incidental in this whole thing. So that's why attacking Doug Ford personally doesn't really do the liberals a lot of good because the reason they're losing isn't because of him the reason they're losing is because of themselves so they have to come up with a much better reason to be reelected other than just doug ford is a bad guy because people have already baked that in and that's not even really the reason they're voting for him whether he's a good or a bad guy they just want these the, the incumbents out right now and if we look at things globally if we look at what's happening in europe or happened in italy just a few weeks ago again it's it's the right side of the spectrum that is leaning toward being winners, and uh, it's 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 the populist movement. At least that's what I've been calling it, the populist movement, which seems to be pushing everything in that direction. There's just a a fatigue with the left. Yeah, the difference in in Ontario right now and and, and in Canada generally is that the the biggest driver of populism in these other jurisdictions at the moment is nativism. It's this idea that, you know, uh, the government should be doing things in favor of whatever is a real American or a real Italian or a real Hungarian. Uh, This idea that immigration is changing a country, the country's culture in a fundamental way, and that it should be rejected. And so it's like a populist movement against an elite that has more of a globalist attitude about how a country should operate. That's not really what's happening here in Ontario. What's happening here in Ontario is actually a fairly traditional um, rejection of a government that's been in power for a long time. I mean, maybe the style of the way that uh, the Doug Ford is campaigning is is populist. It's certainly a populist political strategy, but the dynamic is really more like uh, what happened for Justin Trudeau or what happened for Mike Harris when he won back in 1995. You know, people saying that this government has been in power too long, this group has been in power for too long, and we need to change. Another good example of that, Roy, is actually the reason that Doug's brother Rob won. Very same thing. Toronto City Hall out of touch. Let's throw a hand grenade at it. Best hand grenade is Rob Ford. 
and that's why he won. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a politician's credibility is gone with the uh, with the with the electorate, um, and he or she, or his or her party, has been in power for more than a decade, and in this case, has a track record of being repeatedly scolded by the Auditor General for wild spending, um, and has run into situations where Ms. Wynn has been criticized severely for things she said and she's done. That politician and that party has run the course as far as their as far as their lifespan in governing is concerned. So they are then pushed aside and for a period of time the the other side comes in. We see this and uh, and then that stays for a while and then the other side comes back. It's been a to and fro like this for for decades, well, for, for for generations. I'm just wondering if, given all of the changes in technology and everything that's 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 been moving, Daryl, so many shifting parts, is that something that you can reliably predict is going to continue, or is there, is it going to be really uh, everything will be up in the air more than it is uh, in the future, more than it's been in the last decades? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is predictable. I mean, as uh, as Lincoln said, you know, and this too will change. But the, the difference that we're seeing now, Roy, is that the two sides of the equation, those two tribes, mm-hmm. are becoming much more diverse, uh, diversified. So the, whatever we want to call the left and whatever we kind of want to call the right, so the progressives versus the traditionalists, whatever you want to call it, they're really breaking down that old Laurentian consensus that used to exist in Canada, where, uh, and you remember this because, you know, you're my generation, uh, you know, there was really no difference between Brian Mulroney and Paul Martin. I mean, one wore a red shirt and one wore a blue shirt, Mm -hmm. but they basically believed the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What's happening in Canadian politics now at both the provincial level and the federal level is those two tribes are are not on the same page anymore. They're really dividing, and it comes down to, you know, this very sort of progressive elite perspective, this downtown perspective, versus everybody else. And the real fight these days is who can bring the suburbs onto their side, because they decide elections now. And, uh, and so that's not a dynamic that existed in Canadian politics before. And you mentioned the, the big shift that John Ibbotson and I wrote. That's really what the book is about. It's not about who's going to win or who's going to lose. It's about this division that's been created in Canadian politics, especially since the turn of the century, the turn of the millennium. And uh, it is going to is going to absolutely define our politics going forward. And you know what I find is that people are, and this is just my own observation, anecdotal, is that people are more willing, more interested to discuss politics just at the drop of a suggestion now than they might have been even ten years ago. There's this there's an appetite to talk about it, whether that was fueled by what happened in the United States with Mr. Ford, uh, Mr. Ford, and Mr. Uh, See, I'm doing the Kathleen Wynne thing now uh, with uh, with Donald Trump. I don't know, but there's just a, more of a willingness, more of an appetite to talk politics, to express opinions, not just to sit back and wait to hear what somebody else says, but actually get in there and debate it. Well, and, and the reason for that is everything is becoming political. You know, are you going to buy a coffee at Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Both of them have their own issues yeah, right now. That's true. What kind of car are you going to buy? Are you going to buy a Tesla or are you going to buy a Ford 150? That's true. Everything, everything is a signaling of your values these days. And corporations are running into the same kind of thing. Look, look at Facebook. Look at Mark Zuckerberg. Look yeah. at you know things that are happening in Silicon Valley. 
And this is because of this hot cognition that's really been created in the world today, where we make our judgments extremely fast, not necessarily based on the facts that somebody expresses, but what we think of the values and the trustworthiness of the person who's expressing them. And we're aligning ourselves with one tribe or another. It's not multiple tribes. It tends to be either on this progressive side of the agenda, or it tends to be on more of this uh, sort of populist slash nativist slash um, you know, uh, less oriented towards government, more of a private sector orientation mm-hmm. on the other side. And and that's what you're seeing emerging everywhere. As I said before, Ontario is not necessarily being driven by the nativist aspect that we're seeing in the United States and all of those other elections, but the tactics and the feel and other parts of it do have a similarity. So when you look at your polling and you look at who, well, how much time there's left between now the 21st of April and the 7th of June, is it almost a foregone conclusion that it'll be a progressive conservative government uh, led by Doug Ford, and the only question is, will it be a majority or a minority, or is that fairly well established? Well, you know, as we ask on every survey, uh, if the election was held tomorrow, and we know that the election isn't going to be held tomorrow, so, uh, you know, a lot of water can go under the bridge, particularly in this modern media environment in which things get on social media and, you know, get on your your station and, and, you know, get just ricochet across an election campaign very rapidly. So things can change pretty quickly. What I would say, though, is that based on looking at the numbers, it's very difficult for me to see right now how uh, um, Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals defeat Rob Ford. There's very little that they can do to beat him which is why you're seeing the desperation in the things that they're doing over the last little while. Mm-hmm. However, there's an awful lot that Doug Ford can do to defeat himself. So the question is whether or not he is able to, um, over the space of the next several weeks, he is able to uh, um, communicate a reassurance to the people of Ontario that um, the type of change that he's going to bring to the province and the type of character that he is is not threatening. That will be his challenge. He can very much, if he decides, for example, to start getting out there and talking about creating a second tier of health care in the province, that's how you get defeated. And, you know, so we don't know about his campaign discipline. We don't know about his ideology. Um, We do know about his character and the way that he acts. People's expectations at that level are pretty well filled in. It's the other parts where if he comes out and he says things that are truly shocking about the kinds of changes that he wants to bring about, that's how he can defeat himself. But at that point, the question is whether or not that goes to the benefit of the Liberals or to the NDP. It's very the NDP, interesting. The NDP is the wild card here right, yeah. right now. Yeah. Andrea Horvath, the thing that's really fascinating... Uh, uh, can, you, Darryl, can you hold on a second? Sure. I just have to take a quick break. This is uh, it's really fascinating to look at what's going on, the dynamics that are taking place in the province of Ontario as we head toward the 7th of June and the election. And there are the other elections that are coming very quickly, as Daryl pointed out, in October in Quebec. I was in Quebec for the last one. And I remember the the night of the election, there was just a a sense of, boy, the Liberals had better win this. Cuillard had better win this, because if the Parti Quebecois wins it, God knows what's going to happen. And now it looks like that third party that that is headed by a former Parti Quebecois cabinet minister, the CAC, could win it all. So we'll come back and talk more with Daryl about uh, Daryl Bricker about the Ontario election and what's ahead. These are fascinating political times, and the implications for each and every one of us are tremendous.
You know you hit the big leagues when you're a guest on his show. This is the Roy Green Show. We invited uh, Ikra Khalid to be on this program today and to uh, speak with Dr. Zudi Jasser. I did not hear back from MP Khalid and Dr. Jasser definitely wanted to speak with her about uh, an event she was at and somebody she introduced. Dr. Jasser, of course, was invited by the federal government to participate with the parliamentary committee that was looking at M103 and he flew in from Arizona to do that. And he was called an extremist, so I wanted the two of them to talk to each other. Dr. Jasser was willing, but Ikra Khalid uh, did not reply. We'll develop the whole story for you in the next hour. Back to Daryl Bricker, global CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. He's the author of The Big Shift. So, Daryl, please pick up where, where you were. In the, what was the thought we were on? Well, just the, the, the Ontario election. Uh, what, what's going on right now is, you know, we've got the... Uh, We've got the Liberals who are struggling to find out a, uh, find a way to get reelected. You're looking at Doug Ford, who's coasting. Uh, uh, we said before the break that the way that Doug Ford will get defeated in this election is if he defeats himself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's very little that the Liberals can actually do to him right now. But then the question is, if he goes down, do the Liberals come up or do the NDP come up? And there's a pretty good argument that it'll actually be the NDP that comes up. And the reason for that is that the NDP's negatives. Uh, even though you know people still have some memory of what happened back during the 1990s, are not as strong as the antipathy towards the Liberals right now, and particularly when it comes to the leaders of the two parties, Kathleen Wynne and Andrea Horvath. Uh, Andrea Horvath is much more positively perceived than um, than Kathleen Wynne. So, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic as we work our way towards Election Day. Um, uh, how all of this is going to work itself out? Will we find ourselves potentially in a situation that we were in in October, was it of 2015, or even three days before the actual vote? It wasn't quite sh- nobody was quite certain as to who was going to win this uh, win that election. Could we be in a situation? Could we be where it's so tight that you're not quite sure whether it's going to be the conservatives or the NDP? or even the Liberals, or a minority or majority government? Could it still all be up the air, up in the air with 72 hours to go? Well, if you remember the dynamic of the, uh, of the October... And I have 10 seconds, Daryl, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, it's up in the air. Okay. <laughs> I just looked at the clock and I realized we were out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Always good talking to you. Always a pleasure, Roy. Thanks. Thank Daryl Bricker, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. My number is 800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. Who's going to win in Ontario? Who's going to win in Alberta? And who's going to win next year federally? 800-263-2428. Who's going to win in Ontario, Alberta, and federally? And in Ontario, is it Doug Ford? Or is Doug Ford just along for the ride and it's all about going back to being conservative? Give me a call, 800-263-2428. His bark is worse than his bite. This is the Roy Green Show.
I think it's crystal clear that this is, this is going to be a vicious campaign. We see how desperate she is. She wants to get personal. I'll keep her accountable on her record. I'm not going to get personal with Kathleen Wynne because I'd be here for a month. I mean, six months ago, we had said that Doug Ford was going to be leading in the quest to become premier of Ontario in the middle of April. Everybody would have said, what, are you, you lost your mind? And yet here we are. And a desperate Kathleen Wynne, sounding very desperate, is trying every which way to position herself as the anti-Ford, the anti-Trump. And there's this niggling little voice in the back of my head that says... Don't just completely write off, phone's ringing, write off uh, the chances for Kathleen Wynne. Because we know what happened last time. We're having a little fun with our telephones here. It's 800-263-2428 is the number. 800-263-2428. Is, in your mind, Doug Ford just going to walk away with it? On the 7th of June, it's been a nasty week where Ms. Wynn has gone after Mr. Ford. Mr. Ford talked about um, if, what was it, something about uh, more liberals will be in, would be in jail with their uh, former chief of staff of Dalton McGinty. Uh, it's just gotten, it's gotten a little, gotten a little ugly around the edges. Bob is in Port Perry, Ontario. How are you, Bob? Uh, not bad, Roy. Uh, first time caller to your show, and uh, I really do enjoy your show and your politics. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, really good. My opinion here is that uh, Rob Ford will will win, or Doug Ford. I'm sorry. And a lot uh, of people will say that. A lot well, of people only, will say that. Only because, only because, um, you know, it, I believe the Conservative Party would have had a a lot better chance with somebody else at the helm there. Um, do you think? Do you really think that if who was the leader before Doug Ford? What was his name? Uh, the leader of the uh, conservative of the of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario. What was his name? Uh, oh boy! You see, this is what's going to happen. People will forget. Yeah. Well, I also think that Andrea Horwath is blowing. She's she's blowing her opportunity here. She's not. She's not out there. She's not out there. She, uh, we hear from her maybe once every two weeks, yeah. and uh, and uh, you know, I mean, before we heard from her there in the last week, we hadn't heard from her in in a month. I think what Daryl Bricker said is really true. It is a almost seismic shift to the right that's taking place. People are so fed up and so annoyed with having been lectured by Kathleen Wynne. Uh, she wasn't she wasn't shy at all to label people racists if they disagreed, for example, with the with the with the method of uh, of vetting Syrian refugees coming into Canada. If you didn't agree with the federal government, she and Quillard in Quebec suggested maybe it was a racist bone in your body that was making itself known. She didn't have any problem doing that. People remember people also remember that uh, folks who were on the economic downside, you know, people who didn't have money. We're having, and even some people who were trying, were making ends meet, but only just couldn't afford to pay their hydro bills. Why? Because Kathleen Wynne and her liberals decided they knew better than the people who were the experts. So they rewrote everything their way for their green energy plan, and it started to really impact and hurt 
a lot of a lot of poor people in this province and a lot of people who would say, no, I'm not poor. Could you pay your high bro? No, but I'm not poor. It's because they raise the rate so much. Well, even 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 the middle class people are having a hard time. Yes, sir. Making ends meet now. I, I, there's 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 no end to it. Uh, there's no end to it. The taxes keep going up, and the rationale doesn't make sense to people after a while. It, Linda Leatherdale says something really, really, really. I thought terrifically well the a couple of weeks ago. She said people should be able to afford their taxes. Absolutely. It's that Absolutely. simple, but they are dragging us so close to the margins of our existence that people are some a lot of people are buying the essentials in life using credit cards. And why is that? Because we're being so overtaxed. You know, it's, this is so frustrating. And then we look at the economic possibilities of pipelines. And we have a certain group within uh, the political spectrum in Canada who will fight tooth and nail to stop pipelines. And they will argue that we don't need the pipeline, that nobody's going to buy the oil. Well, they're wrong and they're wrong because Brazil and China have just cut a deal where China's going to get Brazilian oil in return for building refineries and and putting a, an oil platform out in the ocean, that there is a market, and and we we are not taking advantage of we have of what we have economically available to us, and people are just fed up with being manipulated. Sorry, I, I'm sorry for the sorry for the for the lengthy uh, no, no, diatribe no, no, there, Bob. I, I agree with you. I just uh, I really uh, I you know I mean I hope and pray. We don't see any more liberals for a while, and I—that's I, uh, my stand, both provincially and federally. Well, listen, I—I uh, I can't, I, I cannot disagree with you. And I think I'm a pretty average guy, and I think I have a pretty average opinion of what's going on. I'm not the most knowledgeable person, but I'm—I'm uh, I'm versed, you know. And, I hear you. Uh, my, my opinion is that I—I uh, I, I honestly don't uh, think. <laughs> The conservatives have the right leader, but and and that's what I say. I I I do believe Andrea is is blowing her opportunity here. So no matter what she says now, I don't think she's going to get in tune. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate the call. Call us again. You're welcome. You have a good day. Thanks you too, sir. In Port Perry, Ontario, there's Bob. One eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. People are tired of being manipulated. And they want, we want, what we want. We want managers who are pragmatic. We want people who will treat our money with respect. We are people who will not ram their ideas and their their preferences down our collective throats without ever consulting anybody. At least that's the way it feels. Now, for people who are on the left, when the right gets elected, they're going to say the same thing. The right never, you, you never do this, you never do that. We, we live in a world of extremes now, you know. It's uh, Daryl's right. We're tribal. And when I said I don't want to see the liberals reelected for a long time, I, I'm going to stand by that. I don't want to see Justin Trudeau reelected. I don't want to see Kathleen Wynne reelected. I don't trust them with my money. I don't trust them with your money. I don't trust them with the kids' money. When a baby is born... In Ontario today, the baby's going to scream. And the screaming is going to be because the baby is informed on day one of its life what it owes in the way of taxes. Bad joke. Bill in Toronto. Go ahead, Bill. Thank you for the call, sir. 
Well, your rant uh, was uh, bang on, and uh, uh, I loved it. But once again, you've managed to trigger me again this weekend, as you always do, for, for good reasons. <clears throat> but I'm looking at Kathleen Wynne here in Ontario. She's going on about old white people. Well, yeah. you know, that's who I am. I'm the one that's being told to sit in the corner and shut up. Um, I am the problem. Um, they're going on one day. It's uh, it's Donald, uh, you know, it's Donald Ford, Donald Trump. They're comparing him to the next day. They're calling him a dick, you know, Dick Ford. Um, these people, they're done. They're, they, they, they've reached the bottom. This is what they, they have. To That's an interesting out. line. They've reached the bottom. That they is an to. interesting, that is an interesting line. You know, they've reached the bottom. They are. They're yeah. morally bankrupt. They've bankrupted the, the province. We can't afford them. No, we can't afford anything. We look, look. We just got Moody's. Just warned, Dry Moody's, the you know the the um, company that that gives you your credit rating. Well, what what could you do with a billion dollars a month that they pay an in interest? Like build a hospital, yeah. fix up all the schools in Toronto, yeah. uh, take yeah. care of elderly yeah. people that yeah. uh, need need help. And remember, they borrowed so much money just to lower the hydro costs for a little while, that's all going to come home to roost. And now there's going to be, and I just checked what the Auditor General wrote, that's all going to come home to roost, and we're going to be paying more in taxes, and we're going to be paying the, the, for, the, for, the, for the money that was borrowed to bring the rates down, the hydro, or hold them steady for a, for a short period of time in order to win an election. That was the thinking. You just grabbed my next point. The stuff that Bonnie Lysak has said, I've talked to my MPP here in Toronto. Uh-huh. You know what his response to me is? She doesn't know what she's talking about. Who doesn't know what she's talking about? Well, th- no, that's what my MPP told me. That oh. This woman doesn't know what she's talking about. So hold on. You, a liberal MPP told you that Kathleen Nguyen doesn't know what she's talking about? No, no. My liberal MPP. Yeah. Me that oh, that the Auditor General doesn't know what she's talking about. Does not know what she's talking That's about. That's their line. That's their line. Bill, thank you for the call, sir. I do appreciate it. Now, I tweeted yesterday, and it got a tremendous amount of response. I got a lot of emails. I got a lot of reaction, a lot of action on uh, on Twitter. And my question was, where's, where's Andrew Shear? Where is Andrew Shear? Because his, his ability to connect with Canadians isn't anywhere near what it should be. If you go to at the Roy Green Show on Twitter, you can follow all the, I asked it about three or four questions or made it three or four points, and you can see the reaction to it. There's a lot of reaction, and 99% of the people agreed with what I said. That the federal conservative leader needs to be, get out there and be more visible and more um, appealing and, 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 and command some media time he said, all the time in the world with the Trans Mountain Pipeline, went to Alberta for, what, one day last week? That does not create seismic movement in the, uh, in the attention Canadians are, are, will give somebody who's in the political arena. Mr. Shear should have been out in Alberta and British Columbia and Saskatchewan. He should have put it, camped, he should have erected the tent and stayed out there for a couple of weeks and just commanded headlines. But yesterday he was in Quebec. Why? Find out what Quebecers want? That's simple. They want money. I know it's all about trying to strategically find votes. I get it. But if you look at the numbers, 
Mr. Scheer, you're not connecting with Canadians, and that's your fault, and it's the fault of your strategists. So I'm going to follow up on what we tweeted yesterday and the reaction to it, but we'll do that tomorrow on tomorrow's show. We'll find out what conservatives think about all of that and liberals. Now, when we come back, Jason Anthony Tetro is going to be with us, also known as the germ guy. Measles is spreading very quickly in Europe, and the outbreak is extremely concerning to the World Health Organization, and there's concern as well in Canada about it appearing here. What's going on? The uh, chief medical officer in England, you'll remember this, said that the, we're on the cusp of an antibiotic apocalypse. Now, I know measles is viral, but I think it is. But uh, it's all tied together. So Jason Anthony Tetro, the germ guy, when we come back. <laughs> 